Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today, it's my turn to minister to you on making room for God. You've had some wonderful anointed speakers from the house, wonderful sons in the Lord, that have ministered to you on this very subject. Last week, Pastor Frank ministered to you. The week before, Stephen ministered, Pastor Michael, as well as Craig. And today, it's my turn to share on this very subject, making room for God in our lives and in the lives of those whom God has sent us to. So in my message today, I chose deliberately to share not only from the scriptures, but also my own personal testimony and walk with the Lord for over 45 years. Actually, next month, will be exactly 46 years. So I want to share some of my own experiences and practically show you how we make room for God to move in our lives, to work, to release His grace, to release His mercy, and of course, to release His power and do great and mighty things for those, of course, who make room for Him. I asked a question this morning in our fellowship. Does God really need us to make room for him to move? And the answer is yes. Simply because God is a gentleman. He will not push us. He will not control. He will not manipulate. He will not threaten. Only as he is invited into our lives and into our situation, whatever that may be, and welcome him by making room for him to work in the life, in our lives, as well as in the lives of those we are praying for. So we're not just speaking about being blessed ourselves in this regard, but about others who will be blessed through us as we make this room for God in order for him to release his supernatural ability on their behalf. The church should not be and must not be a bless me club, but rather an instrument in God's hand that unlocks not only the power of God, but also his loving kindness and his mercy to a dying world. We are God's chosen instruments. The church is God's chosen instrument to bless the world. Unfortunately, in many parts of the church today, Christians have adopted a mindset that believes that God exists only for them and no other. The gospel that produces that kind of thinking, of course, is not the true gospel. It is perverted, it is self-centered, and must be put away from the minds of true disciples of the Lord. Our life on earth has one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to glorify God, to worship the one and true God, and through him, 
become an instrument in his hand in communicating his love, his grace, and his mercy to those around us. He said to Abraham, back in the old covenant, I will bless you and you will become a blessing to all of the nations of the earth. In fact, he said to him, through you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed through your obedience. And so when God touches your life, when God touches my life, he has something much more on his mind than just blessing us and our families. Amen. Would you agree with that statement? There are many that God wants to reach through you, many that God wants to bless through you making room for God. And so having said that, I want to focus now on the one and only principle that makes room for God to work in any given situation. This principle is the principle of obedience. I know Pastor Frank ministered to you last week, and that's why I said to him at the end of his message, he took the message out of my own heart because that was in my heart to minister to you today. Well, he managed to get in before me, so you're going to hear a, a, a double barrel message today, and you're going to hear probably the same thing, but with a little bit of more um, uh, flavor because I'm bringing in my own experiences and testimony into this principle. As for me personally, I know of no other way to make room for God than in the way of faithful obedience to the Lord's voice and, of course, to his written word as is revealed to us by the Spirit of God. The word of God becomes a living book. So when we study the Bible with the Holy Spirit guiding us, there will be times when the Spirit of God will highlight certain portions of Scripture and you will know that God is speaking directly to you through his word. So he can speak to you through the word. He can speak to you through the inward witness. Or he can speak to you indirectly through the mouth of your pastor or your brother or someone else. That's why we need to be sensitive to the Lord's voice. We need to walk with the conscious, uh, uh, how, how would I say it, a God-inside-minded. We need to be conscious of his very presence within us, all around us, that God can speak to us anytime. Sometimes when we are in prayer, sometimes when we are driving, sometimes when we are at work, if we are sensitive and we walk close to the Lord, we will always recognize his voice. So as for me personally, I don't know of any other way that we make room for God except by being obedient to his word and to his voice. And I've also learned this, that nothing will ever substitute the principle of obedience. No amount of prayers, no amount of fasting, no amount of church attendance or any other religious practice will ever take the place of obedience to him nothing so we need to understand that that god is pleased with obedience 
and many try to sacrifice instead of obeying. But the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, as I've mentioned, nothing will ever substitute the principle of obedience. Back in the old covenant, the Lord spoke to his people repeatedly through his prophets and said to them, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Over and over again, God spoke. And he said, if you obey my voice, I will be your God and you shall be my people. I will be an enemy to your enemies and a friend to your friends. So through the mouth of Isaiah, the Lord also said in Isaiah chapter one, verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Notice that not only we need to be obedient, but also willing. Many people are willing, but not obedient. Others are obedient, but not willing. So we need to be both. Willing and joyful obedience is the expression of true faith in God that pleases him to the point of releasing himself to do great and mighty things on behalf of those who obey him. And for me personally, that is why I said I'm going to bring in portions of my own testimony. For me, it all began when I first said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendered my life to him by accepting the Lord Jesus as my very own personal Savior and Lord. And that was, as I mentioned, next month will be exactly 46 years. And what a wise and a, and a glorious decision I made when I bowed the knee to the Lordship of Jesus. I was a lost soul, broken in every way, and God found me in the gutter. I was of no use to anyone. But the day I bowed my knee to the Lordship of Jesus and obeyed him and said yes to him, I made room for God in my life and in the life of so many other people. The very first instruction I received from the Lord after I was saved, in fact, that very night I was saved, I received the first instruction from the Word of God. It is recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 39. Jesus spoke these words to the uh, demoniac in Gadara who was delivered of a legion of demons. And the man wanted to follow Jesus. He was overwhelmed by the peace and the grace and the mercy he received. He was set free from being tormented by these demons day and night. And all he wanted to do was to follow Jesus, leave everything and everyone and follow the Lord. But the Lord said to him, no, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And as you read in the scriptures, you will find that this man returned to his own house and began to publish in his town the great things that God had done for him. And through his obedience, he made room for Jesus to visit the city from whom he was chased away and he began to publish the gospel throughout the regions. That man, through his obedience, made such room for the Lord Jesus Christ 
in order for him to do great and mighty things in that city. So that very words that he spoke to the demoniac were spoken to my heart through the spirit. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. It was not an audible voice, but deep down within my heart, I knew what I had to do. And remember, at the point of my salvation that very night, I was a runway. I ran away from God. I ran away from my wife and my unborn child and all who loved me and cared for me. I did return to my wife. I recall it was Thursday evening when I accepted the Lord Jesus. I was born again, saved by the grace of God. On Sunday evening, I was baptized in water. And then Monday morning, I got into my car and drove back all the way from Johannesburg to Fort Victoria, to Masvingo, as it is known today, back to my wife and to my family. I did return. I did not just testify to my immediate family, but I testified to all who would listen within the Greek community I was part of. We, I, we were part of a very close and, and closely knit Greek community in Masvingo. Maybe there were about 20 families and everyone knew everyone else. We were always into each other's homes when it was birthdays, when there was name day celebrations, Christmas and all those uh, days of celebration. We always were invited to each other's home and everyone knew everyone, very closely knit community. And it is to that community also that I told, as I was instructed, go tell what great things God has done for you. You see, you know, if you've been born again, you know the joy and the love and the peace that floods your soul as you accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ, as you receive his forgiveness and his grace and his loving kindness through faith. My joy and the peace that I found in returning to God was indescribable. So in obedience to the Lord, I began to publish and told the great things that God has done for me. Not only that, but later on, I didn't just stop within my immediate community. And remember, I was not a pastor then. I was not a preacher. I was just a simple disciple of the Lord that experienced the grace of God. And later on, I traveled from town to town, from city to city within the Greek communities of Zimbabwe, as well, later on around the world, publishing my testimony and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. What a wonderful time I had. We ran a business from Monday to Saturday, Saturday, one o'clock. We used to close the supermarket by three o'clock. I was in my car and sometimes with my whole family driving to the other cities where the Greek community was and ministering the word of God and telling them what Jesus Christ has done for me. Being obedient to that one instruction from the Lord brought such blessing not only to my marriage and my family, but also to the Greek communities around the world. Sharing our testimony, folks, listen carefully. 
and telling others what the Lord has done for you is an instruction that God is giving to all who have tasted the grace and the mercy of God. Remember, in the book of Psalms, the word says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell of all his wonderful works. It is an instruction from the Lord to tell and to publish his wonderful works, especially the works that he has done in your life. Well, you may say, well, you know, uh, he didn't do, he didn't do much for me. You know, I'm, I was a good I was raised in a, in a godly home. I was a good boy. I was a good girl. You know, may the Lord give you revelation of the unfathomable love and grace of God, the forgiveness that he gives us, the grace and the mercy and the loving kindness that he pours upon us from day to day. These are all his wonderful works. So we, 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 we need to awake to that fact that we have a responsibility to tell others about Jesus and about what he has done for us. So how will others believe unless they hear what the Lord has done for you through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross? The scripture is very clear. Romans 10, 14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of, of whom they have not heard? They cannot call on the name of Jesus if they have not heard how good, how kind, how loving, how forgiving, how merciful, how gracious he is. They need to hear because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the instruction given in Luke's gospel, chapter 8, verse 39, is not given to preachers or pastors, but to everyone who received the grace and the mercy of the Lord. And also the Great Commission in going into all the world and proclaiming the good news to all people is given to every disciple of the Lord Jesus in every generation. I believe that's my personal conviction that if I had disobeyed the Lord and did not do what he instructed me to do, did not return to my wife and to my family, I would not be where I am today. I would not be married today. And perhaps who knows what would have happened to me. And I don't believe he would have given me any further instructions. Yes, I would have been probably saved. Maybe stay in a church or in a community, do whatever I thought was best. But I would not have experienced the blessing and the favor of the Lord upon my life if I have been disobedient to that instruction. If I had not gone back to my wife, I would not be here today, married for 47 years with three children and five wonderful grandchildren. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I owe everything to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his grace and mercy. And perhaps some of you today are wondering, I'm, I'm not saying this is the case. Why am I not hearing from the Lord? Why am I not experiencing a breakthrough in this area? 
Why is there complete silence from, from the Lord? Not saying anything to me about the situation that I've been fighting and struggling or whatever, or about what you're going through at this present time. As I said, I'm not saying this is the case, but it will do all of us the world of good to inquire of the Lord whether we have been disobedient in any given instruction that you know the Lord has given you. And remember this, when the Lord speaks and gives you an instruction by the Spirit through the word or through the mouth of another, you know that the Lord has spoken. You have that assurance, that witness in your heart that God has spoken. So, I don't believe that God will give us any further instructions until we obey the last one he gave us. I recall the struggle, the real struggle I had in obeying one of his instructions he gave me concerning my addiction to cigarettes. In fact, I heard the Lord clearly say that unless I give up this habit, he cannot take me any further with him on this journey of faith. And man, I struggled. One whole year after I was born again and filled with the spirit, I still smoked 60 cigarettes a day. And um, not filter. It was plain. I recall, I even remember the name Texan. Man, I would wake up in the morning with a cigarette in my hand and I would go to bed with a cigarette in my hand. It was terrible, a nasty habit. But I, I struggled. I, I, I knew the Lord had instructed me to give it up, but I couldn't. I tried again and again without any success. I would throw it away and then go back into the dustbin, pick it up and start smoking again. Well, I asked the Lord, said, Lord, why? Why am I not able to get free from this thing? And the Lord answered me. He answered me from the word of God. That's why I say to you, folks, God's word is so precious. If you are a diligent student of the word of God, you study and you read prayerfully the word of God, God will always speak to you through his word. Remember, he spoke to me the same words he said to the disciples when they asked him why we could not cast out this demon. They were trying to deliver a, a young boy that, that had epilepsy and they couldn't cast out the demon. So when Jesus came down from the mountain with his three disciples, they asked him privately, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said to them, it's recorded in Matthew 17, verse 20 and 21. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And then he said something else. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. That this kind is referring to the stronghold of unbelief. In obedience to the Lord, after I heard what he said, 
I began to fast and pray about it. And in the midst of my fast, the Lord set me free and delivered me. It's been now 45 years. I have not smoked one single cigarette. Neither did I ever miss it. God set me free. Now, let me say something about fasting. There are times and seasons in our walk with God that Jesus expects us, all of us, to fast as well as pray. I believe there are certain things that God cannot do for us unless we are willing to fast. You see, fasting shows our desperation. How badly do you want what you're asking God for? Are you really serious about it? Fasting sends a message of desperation to God, saying, God, I cannot do without this. I need this in my life. I need this breakthrough. Well, I do believe that Jesus expects his disciples to fast because he said, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast, indicating that there will be times when we are required to fast, when we hit a brick wall, when our prayers seem to be bouncing off the ceiling and we're not seeing any breakthroughs and it's time to get serious with God and add fasting to our prayers. And so one instruction after another was followed by one step of obedience after another. And one step of obedience after another brought me to the place where I am today. Folks, let me say this. We are on a journey. And the journey is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not how we begin the race that counts. It's how we finish. That is why I pray for you. I pray for myself that we may finish strong in the Lord. Amen. Strong in the Lord. It's how we finish that matters. And now I'm reminded back in 2002. I recall God giving me a specific instruction while I was in prayer. He said, I want you to fly to Cyprus and sort out your relationship between your dad and your brother. He said, do whatever it takes, but make sure that before you come back to South Africa and to your family, your relationship with your dad and your brother is where it should be. Well, I got onto the plane and I flew. You see, my brother suffered for many years from mild schizophrenia. He would imagine things that were not true. And that's why every time when I went to Cyprus with my family, he would he would attack me. He would be he he thought that I would come to take his inheritance or I don't know what was going on in his mind. Even though I did so many things for him, he still had this, this, this thing in his mind, and 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 uh, he would not speak to me. He would not, he he would not forgive me for what I do not know. And so I recall, I said to my brother when I went there, I said, Savas, that was his name. We sat on the bed, and I said to him. Tell me, what would it take for you to forgive me of what you think I've done to you? 
tell me what it is and I would do it. He spoke up and said, I want you to release your inheritance for the house and just give it to me. I said, with gladness and pleasure, you mean far more to me than any inheritance, money or houses or lands. You can take it and you can take it all. And that moment he broke down and I broke down and we hugged each other and and we embraced each other. I will never forget the presence of the Lord just filled that room where we were talking. Later on, when I flew back to South Africa, he wrote me a letter and he said, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was in a very dark place. There was no light. And you came, he said. And when you came, you turned on the light. And I was able to see what a wonderful miracle that was. The same thing I did with my dad. And I came back with both relationships restored. Little did I know that within five years, I would lose both of them. My dad died in 2008, I think, and my brother in 2010. And you know what? Whatever I had given and released, when my brother died, there was no one else in the family. It all came back to me. It's not the money, but I know that my relationship with my brother and my dad was in a place where it should be. Folks, listen to me. We need to make right. And you know, when I went to my dad, I said, Dad, I took all the blame. He said, you never come to visit us. You stay in South Africa. We are here with your mother. We never see you. And he wanted me to move with my family to Cyprus in order to take care of them. I couldn't do that. But I took all of the blame and I humbled myself and I said, please forgive me for whatever you think I have done. I did that. And we reconciled. And what a joyful reconciliation that was. I'm sharing with you very intimate things, very private things. And I pray that the Lord will minister this testimony to you and, and, and hopefully encourage you to obey. Obey the Lord, whatever he tells you. Obey his word. But the hardest and the most difficult step of obedience I took was when the Lord instructed me to sell our business and move to South Africa into what we call today the full-time ministry. I was serving the Lord part-time from 1983 to 1989. But at the close of 1989, the Lord spoke and he said, now it's time to sell and go full-time. And not, not just in Zimbabwe, but move to South Africa. And at, the, at that time, remember, I had no promise of support from anyone. And I, I had three children growing up, going to school with a wife, moving into a new country. That was a huge step to take because no organization, no church, no individual had promised any financial support. I didn't know where my next paycheck would come from. But I did inquire of the Lord. I said, Lord, 
how will I take care? All these years, my business provided for me. I needed no one. I needed no support. And my business provided for all the expenses of the gospel when I traveled back and forth to many countries. But now you're asking me to sell it and move into food. Who's going to, how am I going to take care? And the Lord spoke up and he said, I'll take care of you. But he also said something else. He said, you give up your business for me and the gospel. I will raise up many businesses to take care of you and your family. Well, praise be to the Lord. 32 years have come and gone since we sold our business and entered into the full-time ministry. We have lacked for nothing. In fact, the Lord has taken care of us financially far better than when we had our own business in Zimbabwe. Not only taken care of us personally, but also has taken care of the ministry and all of its expenses. John Bevere said this, that spiritual growth and maturity is neither a function of time or a function of learning, but it is though a function of obedience. It doesn't matter how long you've been born again. You can be born again for 50 years and still remain as a spiritual infant if you do not obey the Lord's instructions. I have proven this to be true, not only in my own life and in my own walk with the Lord, but also observing others now for 46 years in walking with the Lord. Those who don't obey, they remain stagnant. Spiritual infants always needing someone to take care of them. But those who obey grow and become mature sons and daughters in the house of the Lord, and they become a great blessing. Isaiah chapter 60 says, arise and shine. The shining and the anointing comes upon those who arise and obey the Lord, not those who are sitting. Amen. I believe that God would have never called me into the ministry or instructed me to sell my business if I did not obey him in the little steps of obedience. Jesus said that if we are unfaithful in the least, in other words, in the little things, we will also be unfaithful in that which is much. We can also say that if we are disobedient in the little things he instructs us to do, we will also be disobedient in the greater things. I believe, that's my personal conviction, that if I hadn't given up my cigarettes, I would not have been able to give up my business. That is just as simple as that. God has clearly given us instructions concerning every sphere of our life. He's given us instructions where our finances are concerned, when it comes to first fruits, when it comes to tithes, when it comes to offerings. If we are disobedient with our money, then how can he trust us, he said, with the true riches? Listen to what Jesus said in this regard. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. He who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also 
in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the true, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Jesus called obedience in money matters the least, not the greatest, the least. Obedience, therefore, in the least prepares us to obey that which is much. He's also given us instructions where our marriages are concerned, where our children are concerned, where our parents are concerned. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wives, be in subjection to your own husbands as unto the Lord in all things. Parents, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord so that it may be well with you. Honor your father and your mother. There are instructions given concerning every area, every facet of our lives. God thought of everything. And let me say it again. Obedience to the Lord's instructions is the key that unlocks God's supernatural ability to work on our behalf and on the behalf of many others. And we see this principle throughout the Old and the New Covenant. Nothing happens until someone obeys God's instructions. Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 17, is facing... Um, starvation as a result of a severe famine that was brought on by the rebellious of God's people. And the word of the Lord comes to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephah, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. God also gives an instruction to the widow to minister to Elijah and feed him, even though she only had one meal left. And after some persuasion from Elijah, the widow obeys. I want to thank God for those whom God brings into our lives that encourage us from time to time to obey the Lord. And I pray you have such a friend that will walk with you, that will encourage you not to disobey the Lord, not to go your way, but to obey the Lord no matter how ridiculous the instruction seems to be. So with some little persuasion from Elijah, she obeyed. And through their obedience, they were both rescued, actually the three of them, the widow, her son, and the prophet. They were rescued from certain death. And put yourself in that widow's shoes for a moment. She has a son to take care of and only one meal left in the barrel. Was it easy? I mean, you, you have a hundred rand left in your pocket. That's all. And God says, give it. But Lord, you know, I need to buy a hamburger. <laughs> and God says, give it. Is it easy? Of course not. If it was easy, everyone would be obedient. Every single time I was given an instruction from the Lord, I faced tremendous opposition in my endeavor to obey, and you will too. That devil will fight you tooth and nail to dis dissuade you from obedience, to distract you, to put all these kind of excuses in your mind why you should not obey. Opposition, 
resistance came from every side fear intimidation threats to my own life and i could go on and i shared it this morning my neighbor right across where where we were living in zimbabwe went and told someone uh, that he knew that person would come back and tell me tell andrea i'm going to buy a shotgun and shoot him from my window i want to kill him why because i obeyed the lord and preached the gospel in every region of the greek community and he got angry why because i was a obedient to the lord of course that was the devil raising all these threats once i was called into the office of a bishop in harare and was told in no uncertain terms stop preaching or i i would excommunicate you from the orthodox church now excommunication from the orthodox church is a very serious thing to a greek person because greek and orthodoxy are intertwined and the greek community believes if you're not orthodox you're not greek not only do the church uh, excommunicate you but they ostracize you as well even your closest friends well I recall I drove all the way back home, two and a half hours from Harare to Masvingo, so disappointed, so discouraged, so perplexed. I didn't know what to do. Here was God telling me to preach the gospel, and here was the bishop, the bishop of the Orthodox Church in Zimbabwe, telling me to stop preaching or I would face excommunication. So I, I couldn't sleep that night. I, I recall it just as it was like yesterday. Our bedroom was upstairs. So in order not to trouble my wife, I came downstairs and I paced the room up and down the lounge, praying, praying in other tongues, asking the Lord, Lord, what do I do? Help me. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit, for Jesus said he will guide you in all truth and will give you direction. I don't remember how long I prayed, but in the midst of my prayer and my desperation, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And this is what he said. I would do exactly what Moses did when the Red Sea told him, you cannot cross, I will drown you. Not only I will drown you, but I will drown all the people that you brought out of Egypt. But you know what? When I heard those words that I would do exactly what Moses did, my heart was encouraged and comforted because I know the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and I knew what I had to do. Well, I went on preaching and the bishop did good on his promise. And he did excommunicate me in front of my wife, and my three children in front of the whole crowd of people. He said, I refuse to give you communion. You're a heretic. And, but he said, my, your wife, I would give communion to. And so my wife grabbed my children and he said, if you won't give communion to my husband, I won't receive communion from your hand. And we walked out of the church that day. Well, in just a few weeks after the excommunication, the bishop was struck down and he died. I'm not going to tell you how he died. And I remembered the word of the Lord, which says in First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 21, 
He permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. I forgave the bishop. I, I, I had no ill in my heart. And I knew that was the Lord's judgment. I knew that I knew. But you know what happened? The Greek community rose up and the persecution doubled. They said, you have done magic to our bishop and you killed him. I had nothing to do with it. Folks, let me say this. Obedience to the Lord costs. And it will cost you something. But the cost cannot be compared to the rewards we receive from the Lord. Jesus' joyful obedience to the Father cost him his life. He obeyed, the Bible says. He obeyed to the point of death. But his obedience opened the way for mankind to return to the Father in a loving relationship. He opened the door for us. He made lots of room for humanity to come back to God. And how did that happen? Through his obedience. That's why I say that the principle of obedience cannot be substituted with anything else. The word of God says in Romans 5:19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, that is Jesus, many will be made righteous. And so in the final analysis, it pays to obey God and follow his guidance and all his instructions. And let me conclude my message today from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 and 5. I'm reading from the FBV translation. My son, my daughter, don't forget my instructions. Always keep my commands in mind. Then you will live a long life and have a full life. You will live a long time and have a full life. Put your trust totally in the Lord. Don't rely on what you think you know, because some of God's instructions, as Pastor Frank mentioned last week, they will make no sense to you. Your mind will fight you all the way, your natural mind, your unrenewed mind. They may, may not make sense to you. Nevertheless, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, the Bible says. Do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So obey the Lord. That's what I'm sharing with you today. I shared some of my own personal testimony. I pray that it's been a blessing and an encouragement to you. We don't get anywhere with God without obedience. I don't care what else you do. How much you pray, how much you fast, how much you give, how many times you attend church. Bottom line is, are you obedient to the Lord? If you are, you will experience and you will see the grace and the mercy and the power of God working on your behalf as well as on the behalf of those that are close to you. Amen. So praise God, folks. May the Lord bless you.
May the Lord give you grace. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May he strengthen you in heart and in mind and be obedient. Step of obedience, one step at a time. And you will get there. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for your grace that enables us, that empowers us to obey your word, to obey your voice, to obey your instructions. Father, we pray that you would make us more and more obedient. And if there's any disobedience in our lives, Lord, in any area of our lives that we are being disobedient to you, we pray that your spirit will reveal it to us, will bring conviction, and will show us what we need to do in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.